It's January 28th, 2023, and welcome to episode 21 of The Mike Newman Show, where once again, Dr. Tim and I get together at our favorite little North Austin eatery and talk about, um, well, this time we actually had a plan. We're going to pick up where we left off with uh, the satellite system, uh, the ground-based mobile data acquisition and data transfer solution that he uh, was a part of developing back in the late 70s, early 80s, early 80s with Schlumberger. And uh, let's see how we actually got it onto the truck. So uh, sit back, relax, enjoy, and we'll catch you at the end of the recording. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. So here we are. We um, Somebody did a rain dance. We got a little bit of rain. Haven't had that in a while. Never, never can uh, beat waking up on a Saturday morning, and it's wet outside. It's wet it's, outside, it's particularly around uh, Central Texas. That uh, you take wet mornings, any morning you get it pretty well. Yeah, so it's happy to have it. Nice, quiet morning. Here we are at the diner. We're set. Do da do da. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I, I thought. Uh, we kind of wanted to. I wanted to cycle back to talking a little bit about my second really interesting project that I got to work on when I worked for Schlumberger. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting on forty years ago now, uh, so it's math far, gets tricky. Yes, it does, and it's far enough in the past that uh, I'm not <laughs> terribly concerned about giving any way giving away any trade secrets. Yeah. Uh, I think. I think that uh, if you if you follow the uh, current technology, just according to what you read on page three of a of a newspaper or a blog, you you mm-hmm. you'll know uh, as much as uh, as I might talk about mm-hmm. from forty years ago. At that time, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, pretty, pretty cutting pretty, edge. Pretty pretty cutting edge. Pretty pretty new. Uh, one of the things I thought I would uh, uh, spend just a moment uh, talking about. I'm a, I'm a I'm a physicist by training, and so I never miss an opportunity to lapse into to some, basic some science. solid physics. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so I wanted to wanted to touch on the idea of uh, geosynchronous satellites and how they're useful, particularly from a, a communication system standpoint. Mm-hmm. The the geosynchronous satellite was first. Observed by Arthur Clarke, a very, very famous science fiction writer back in the, I want to say he did a, a story back in the 1930s. Most people know of him, of 2001, A Space Odyssey. Right. And uh, he wrote a lot of stuff before that as well. Yeah, quite, he, quite a he, good he, collection. he did. Actually, the, 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 the 1930s, 40s, maybe early 50s, I think, are, is often characterized as the golden age of science fiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was he was uh, very prominent uh, within that, uh, but he wrote he wrote a story that uh, that observed uh, that uh, a geosynchronous satellite is is a really interesting thing. Uh, so to to, 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 to make clear, uh, if you look at uh, something that goes into orbit, mm-hmm. it it essentially is something that has a velocity parallel to the surface of the Earth, uh, such that when gravity 
pulls on that object, it's always trying to pull it down to the ground. Mm-hmm. But if it has a velocity vector parallel to the surface of the Earth that's fast enough, then it just continues to fall forever. So that's what we mean by putting something into orbit. We, we give it enough velocity. Uh, that we get it in equilibrium. Right. It's, it's always, it's always to, yeah. falling. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's just like an artillery shell. You shoot an artillery shell and it's gonna, gravity is going to pull it back to the ground at mm-hmm. some point. But if you shoot it fast enough, as gravity pulls it back to the ground, it essentially moves along the surface of the ground. And so it's always falling back towards the center of the earth, but it never gets there. It just falls around and around the earth. And this is where we get the terms like escape velocity and, and things like that, where right. where we want something to leave Earth's gravitational field, we need an escape velocity right. and the vector away. But if we want an orbital velocity, that's a different animal to keep it right. above the Earth. Keep it above the Earth. So it's always falling. So we talk the, the, the satellites... Many of the satellites that we talk about, and and the you know, space shuttle, or the the the, 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 the new uh, the new generation of spacecraft that go into orbit, or the International Space Station, mm-hmm. these all are objects that we characterize as being in low Earth orbit. Mm. So it only takes them maybe 90 minutes to travel completely around the Earth. And if you look at them, if you're on the ground and you, you look at just the right time of twilight, uh, right. for the, you can see the International Space Station, mm-hmm. and that sucker's really traveling across the sky. It's moving along. It really is. And, and so if you, if you want to watch it, it you, 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 you have to move your head, if yeah, you will. Yeah, the weather app on my phone actually has a layer. So just like wind or rain or warnings or fronts, I can add a turn on the layer for the International Space Station and I can and I can see the path and it it won't necessarily go over Texas every time it's but you can see it just trucking right along yep it'll it'll get there at some point exactly well if you if you if you look at a point right on the equator so Mm -hmm. the, the, the equator being the the uh defining the plane of rotation of the earth right so a, a, if you stand on the equator, mm-hmm. if you go up, straight up, yep. draw, draw a line from the center of the earth through a point on the equator and extend it out about 22,000 miles, if you put something at that altitude and with enough velocity to keep it in orbit around the earth, mm-hmm. it will orbit directly above the equator moreover if you set the orbital speed correctly okay Mm -hmm. it will stay exactly above a point on the ground Mm -hmm. on the equator okay so that's what we mean by a geosynchronous satellite it's a satellite that's in orbit above the equator it's about 22,500 miles above the equator and it's as it orbits around the earth the earth rotates beneath it if you will and its speed of going around the earth exactly matches the rotational speed of the earth and as a consequence 
the satellite sets at a fixed point in the sky directly above the equator. Mm -hmm. And so wherever you're at on the Earth, if you put a bright enough light on the geosynchronous satellite, from anywhere in the Earth, you would see a point in the sky. If you Mm -hmm. were in the northern hemisphere, there would be a point in the sky towards the south. Right. And it would be a fixed point in the sky. Mm -hmm. The, 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 The light would never move. It would stay... At a, at a single point. Right. As you go further to the north, if you're in the northern hemisphere, sure. then the if you're following the curve of the earth, mm-hmm. and as a consequence, as you look to the south, the point of light that you would see for something in geosynchronous orbit goes down. It, it gets looks down lower and lower, lower right. toward the horizon. Toward the horizon, mm-hmm. right. If you're... At, at the at the very northern limit uh, of, of, of the Earth, if you're if you're at the rotational North Pole, if you mm-hmm. will, mm-hmm. you would see that point of light setting right on the ground. In other words, it would be low enough down to the ground that that you would be looking right at the horizon. So that's a that's a characteristic of uh, seeing a point. Uh, or a satellite that's in geosynchronous orbit, um, you'll you'll be looking lower and lower mm-hmm. towards the horizon the further north that you go. So now the the, the really interesting thing about this then mm-hmm. is that the, that geosynchronous satellite is at a fixed point in the sky. Yeah, that's the coolest thing about all of this. That's you right. can It will be there. It will be there, and it'll stay at exactly the same place. And mm-hmm. so, if I have on a satellite a receiver, a radio receiver, mm-hmm. and I have a radio transmitter, Right. then if I put uh, on the ground somewhere an antenna that can broadcast a signal, mm-hmm. then the satellite in geosynchronous orbit, if it's listening on the same frequency sure. that's being broadcast, it can receive that signal, mm-hmm. and it can turn around now and broadcast a different signal back towards the Earth. So, so that satellite becomes a fixed point relay, right? Yep. And 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 the the antenna, the transmitting station, the receiving station that's on the ground, uh, if it's going to talk to a satellite, we tend to call that an Earth station. Mm-hmm. Okay. And moreover, if I just put a Antenna like my the the, the, the antenna on, on an old automobile, right? Uh, okay. A, 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 a little fishing pole, a little whip, up, yeah. A little whip. Then that's a uh, what would be characterized as an omnidirectional antenna. Mm-hmm. It it can transmit, it can receive a signal, but right. it, From from any direction. Moreover, it could, if you wanted to, it could transmit a signal in any direction. And so the big whip antennas, I don't know if they still exist on uh, police cars, but mm-hmm. it, it, in my youth, a police car would have a big, big whip antenna on the back of it, and they used that for radio communication uh, between cars and, and yep. based offices and the like. Well, for, for dealing with a, a satellite, <clears throat> rather than using a whip antenna, mm-hmm. it's been found that you could write, make an antenna out of a 
parabolic reflector. Mm-hmm. So a parabolic reflector has the characteristics that at some point out in front of the reflector, right in the center, but, but maybe uh, uh, a foot or maybe 10 feet, depending on the size of a reflector. Yep. If I put a transmitter there, <clears throat> then a good portion of that signal is going to be radiated out in all directions, but some of it is going to be going back towards the reflector itself. Mm-hmm. And if, the, if my transmitter is sitting at the focal point, Right. Of a parabolic reflector. A parabolic reflector means that the shape of the re- reflector is a parabola. Mm-hmm. And a parabola, if you remembered it from your from your third grade physics, yeah. Um, uh, if I if I broadcast a signal from a focal point back towards the antenna to the reflector, the dish, yeah, the dish, then the dish is going to reflect. Everything that it gets in a straight line away from it, right? So no matter where I, I, I broadcast from a point source, but once it hits the reflector, anywhere on that reflector, I'm going to get a parallel beam, if you will, a parallel. So it's kind of like a headlamp. It like, is. Like a headlight. It's exactly you, like a you headlight. you got the white hot element there in the center and the glass or plastic or whatever we're using these days is shaped in that parabolic way you're talking about and it sends the light directly out across the entire surface of that dish correct and so uh if you if you now have a satellite in geosynchronous orbit Mm -hmm. and you really want to conserve power if you don't want to have to broadcast at a huge power rating if you Mm -hmm. will then you can use a parabolic reflector in your earth station Mm -hmm. and you transmit uh from the focal point of the of the parabolic reflector and it now shoots out a beam in a straight line if you Mm -hmm. will now the beam will just diverge a little bit as it goes out right disperse a bit yeah but the point is that it in essence it's going in a in a straight line Mm -hmm. right so if i have a satellite in geosynchronous orbit i can now put a reflector an earth station reflector on the ground and mm-hmm. i point it at a specific point in the sky i specifically i point it at, at the, the geosynchronous satellite right then i don't have to move my antenna mm-hmm. it's always being pointed at the satellite yep moreover then if the satellite if i broadcast from the earth station towards the satellite at one frequency mm-hmm. and the satellite it has an antenna on it as well now it generally is a much has a has a much greater dispersal all right so so it's going to be looking at an area that if you will it can, it can can see and amplify a signal from anywhere for example in the United States mm-hmm. right and if i now change the frequency on the satellite, I change the frequency of the signal, and mm-hmm. I rebroadcast through that same antenna back towards the Earth, then my Earth station parabolic reflector can now receive a signal from the satellite mm-hmm. and focus it up at the focal point of the reflector, where I now have a receiver rather than a transmitter. Right. And so I can receive a saddle back, uh, a signal back from the satellite, right? So I, I now have a 
a way to communicate, if you will, uh, so I can transmit from my Earth station, uh, sitting in New York City, for example, mm-hmm. and I look at a, a satellite in a geosynchronous orbit that's kind of sitting somewhere above Panama, if mm-hmm. you will, or, or probably further out west out in the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. It rebroadcasts. And the signal that it rebroadcasts covers the entire United States. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a very low power signal right. when it gets back down to the surface of the Earth. But if I put a similar Earth station in California, right. then I can transmit a signal up from my Earth station in New York, receive it on the satellite, rebroadcast it, and I can receive the signal back in California and lo and behold, I can now I, I have a, a, a communication channel that's established between mm-hmm. New York and California. Uh, I can't do that with purely terrestrial-based radio. Right. Right. I, I can't see over the horizon in, yes. in general. Now there, there there are characteristics that that shortwave radio operators learn how to use that, mm-hmm. that you you can you can sometimes see over the horizon. But in general, you, sure. you, you can't see over the horizon. But with a use of a geosynchronous satellite mm-hmm. and a couple of, of Earth stations with mm-hmm. parabolic reflectors, I can establish a communication channel from one point in the nation to another point. So there are now probably uh, probably 50 or more satellite communication satellites, uh, may, maybe hundreds, I don't know, uh, but uh, there are many, many satellites sitting in geosynchronous orbit that serve exactly this purpose. Right. They're, they're, they're relay uh, units to allow point-to-point communication within the United States. And just to bring in a pop culture reference, in Independence Day, for example, when the alien ships arrived, they just plowed on into Earth orbit, and all of a sudden, Jeffrey Goldblum's media company he was working for we're loose it's like the satellites aren't even there yes yeah so you literally severed the relays yep by bumping into them but also (laughs) but also an interesting point was even the aliens didn't know how to transmit radio signals around the surface of the earth right and so they actually had a timer right yep you know, we're <laughs> they had to send signals off each other's well, ships. That, well, yeah. that or or while they, while they were still together in the mothership, right? They started a timer. Mm-hmm. It said, "Okay, when this timer gets down to zero, we're going to attack." It's time. Yes, right. It's time to to attack. Mm-hmm. And so then they all shipped out to the little the smaller uh, mm-hmm. fifteen mile diameter ships that <laughs> went off to different points on the earth. Right. They couldn't communicate directly with each other. What they had to do was count on that timer that said, we're going to go at this point. And then they all attacked simultaneously around the around the, around the world. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, <laughs> threw, threw a little curveball there just to, to yeah, well, just bring to it show, back to a movie. Even, even, <laughs> even the aliens hadn't figured out That's right. the, the idea of, uh, of uh, the fact that radio, uh, radio wave, radio uh, RF. Physics signals, is physics. Exactly. Uh, go, go, go in a straight line. Yeah. Uh, and you, 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 you can't, you can't make them curve unless you send them past the black hole, and then a whole, that's a whole other set of a math. Whole, whole other set, right? So we, we <laughs> won't get into that. So, 
in the so we've 19, got an, we got a truck out in the oil field now. Well, in the in the nineteen eighties, yeah. in the in, 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 in nineteen eighty, let me put it that way, nineteen eighty, mm-hmm. most satellites in geosynchronous orbit functioned at a frequency range around five to six gigahertz. Okay. Uh, so you, you transmit, you, for example, I, these aren't the exact numbers, but you transmit a signal from an Earth station to the satellite at 5 gigahertz. Mm-hmm. The satellite receives that and transmits the signal back to the Earth at 6 gigahertz. Okay. Okay, so now uh, anywhere within the uh, the uh, area that can be seen, quote-unquote, seen mm-hmm. by the satellite antenna, right. Uh, anywhere in that, I can transmit a signal to the satellite at 5 gigahertz, and it will shift the frequency and retransmit the same signal back towards the Earth at 6 gigahertz. Okay. All right, so, so that means that, that my transmitter and my receiver on my Earth station are operating at different frequencies. So right. they, they don't step on each other. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so in 1980, most satellites, as I say, functioned at what was called C-band, or okay. five, between 5 and 6 gigahertz. It may have been 5.5 to 6.5, but in that Ballpark. range. Ballpark, yep. Now, it, it turns out this same frequency band, same frequency range, was also used for terrestrial microwave communication. Okay. Okay, so at that time... Uh, it, it, it had started, uh, they started in the, uh, the early 1960s putting up the phone companies, for example. Mm-hmm. The phone company put up microwave links across the nation. And these are the big towers with those like horn looking things yep. up at the top. And, exactly. And, yeah. and it, it, it turns out that rather than string a, a cable mm-hmm. across the, the land, you could put up a, a, a terrestrial microwave, a tower here mm-hmm. that would transmit to a tower 50 miles over that way, right? Yep. And so uh, the, 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 the antennas were far enough up the towers that... that they could see you, you, further. See, see a little bit further yeah. over, over the horizon, but, exactly. but, but you know, not, it, it, always in a straight line. Sure. So if i had an earth station if i want to communicate with a satellite i had to make sure when i put an earth station down that i could not interfere with a current terrestrial microwave infrastructure link. of microwaves right so if i if yep. i plop down an earth station that could transmit at c band and it could somehow see a receiving mm-hmm. antenna for a terrestrial microwave a tower one of these towers for example then it, it's going to interfere with it, and I've, I've screwed up somebody else's communication channel. Especially the further you get away from the equator, because yep. you're going to be physically aiming pretty much in the same direction. In the same direction, yes. That, that these surface right. towers would be doing. Yep. So, so if you wanted to put down an earth station, mm-hmm. you had to go through what was called a frequency coordination step. This is something that could take weeks there were companies that that did this as a business. They would, they would. You you would say, okay, I'm going to put down a a a, a, a ten meter diameter mm-hmm. dish at this point on the ground, uh, and it's going to be transmitting at C band towards the, a satellite at this point in the geosynchronous orbit. What am I going to What am I going to screw up in the way of exactly. terrestrial microwave? Right. And, and so companies would, uh, they, they had maps of all the terrestrial microwave links across the country. 
and they would look at where you wanted to put something down and the frequency, or station down and the frequency it was going to operate at, and they would tell you that, okay, yeah, you, you can operate here, or no, you, you can't because you're going to interfere with I had electrical else. engineering college buddies who actually worked for a company in Northern Virginia called ComSearch, and that's exactly what they did, mm-hmm. is they would go to the FCC filings, uh, look up, and basically also do ground surveys. They Part of the company would drive around and check for microwave transmitters and map out their height, their direction, other obstructions, buildings in the way, et cetera, et cetera, and then come back basic, basically like we would with a landscape survey, but a three-dimensional plus energy and everything else involved in mapping out, okay, company A wants to try to run from this point to that point, can they do it? Yep. So, yep. So, so that was the, that was the state of the world pretty much in, in 1980, mm-hmm. right? Well, uh, as I, we mentioned on a, in a previous discussion, probably some months ago now, uh, Schlumberger at the time uh, operated a service where they would send a truck out to a well site, uh, an oil well site, right? A drill site at this point, mm-hmm. probably not an oil well yet. It's just a hole in the ground. Trying to figure out if we're going to turn it into a well. Yeah, if we could turn it into a well. So Schlumberger would send a truck out, and and because of a variety of of uh, logistical issues. It was determined by a marketing survey or study, I should mm-hmm. say, that if we had a high-speed communication link from an oil well drill site uh, such that we could move large quantities of data very quickly from that uh, from a, 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 an oil well drill site in North Dakota uh, and, and have a high-speed channel that we could put data back into Houston, Texas, for example, that'd be, that'd be worth Quite a bit to do the companies that were doing the drilling uh, exactly. and developing the well, and so we we started looking. We and the Slumberger folks started looking at at how could we provide this high speed communication channel, and very quickly came to the, the conclusion that the the real the best opportunity for doing that was through a satellite right. channel. Now. We had we, we still had the, the the issue that well for C band communication in general about the smallest antenna that you ever used was say 12 feet in diameter mm-hmm. uh, so this this is a pretty large antenna moreover it was operating at C band and so if you plop this down somewhere you had to do frequency coordination I, I remember in this time frame it probably was 1978 79. Mm-hmm. Uh, each year, uh, we would look for the oh gosh, I, I, sh- I should have written down the name of the uh, of the store, uh, the, uh, the the the, the uh, high uh, high end uh, department store. Uh, Macy's? Uh, not Macy's. Montgomery Ward. No, that wasn't high end. High end, really high. <laughs> At yeah, any rate, okay. they put the the, the 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 store put out a, a Christmas catalog. Right. 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 And in 78, and in the Christmas catalog, there was always one special gift. Was it FAO Schwartz? No. It was a toy store. No. Okay. Neiman Marcus. Neiman Marcus. There we go. I'm sorry. Had to jiggle the the knob a little bit. Just a little bit. (laughs) It had had, had to come back. So Neiman Marcus had their holiday catalog. Right. And uh, and, uh, there was always one very special gift, right? And Mm -hmm. one, one year, 78, 79, somewhere in this frame, 
the very special gift was a satellite earth station so that you could receive television signals because television stations were using these geosynchronous, these geosynchronous satellites, satellites. For, yeah. for distribution. And in particular, uh, uh, the uh, uh, folks in Atlanta uh, uh, had uh, Ted... Uh, Ted Turner. Turner. Yep. Had started up the Atlanta Superstation. TBS. Yes. Turner Broadcasting broadcast system. system. Yeah. And it basically transmitted a signal uh, to a satellite mm-hmm. and then rebroadcast it back to the Earth. And anyone that had a large enough Earth station could receive that. Now, mm-hmm. most of the time... Uh, in a little town, Sarah, Oklahoma, for example, right. uh, there was a local cable company mm-hmm. that had one earth station that could receive TBS, mm-hmm. and then they ran cable all over Terrestrial town. Terrestrial to the house. And right to the house, and so lo and behold, you could get the super station. Mm-hmm. And so Ted Turner's great business innovation was essentially to, to make one television station a nationwide television station. Right. He made a few billion dollars. Just a little. Doing that. Yeah. Uh, so so the Neiman Marcus catalog mm-hmm. had your own You can station. have your own. You can have your own. You didn't have to go through a cable operator, right? And mm-hmm. and, and part, of the, uh, part of the package that you could get from Neiman Marcus was frequency coordination. So okay. you, you could set this this 10-foot diameter earth station up in your backyard, mm-hmm. and you could receive... Satellites directly or signals directly from a satellite, in particular, you could re- receive the superstation without having to go through a cable operator. So that 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 was that was an interesting gift that year. Sure. Well, so when when Slumberjay started out to uh, try to figure out how to, to do uh, put a satellite uh, dish mm-hmm. um, on a truck on and a mobile, take it to a yeah, wall site, exactly. Uh, the idea that we could only use a 10-foot diameter dish that was going to require frequency coordination made it kind of a non-starter because, yeah. number one, that was a really big dish to try to get to a well site. About the only way we could figure out how to do it was mm-hmm. hook a trailer, trailer. Behind, the, yep. behind the truck. And the, 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 the field engineer folks weren't at all happy about the idea yeah. of dragging the trailer behind nope, the truck. No, 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 no. Don't want to do that because uh, mm-hmm. it's can get really tough to get to a well site uh, sometimes. It's hard uh, enough to level one piece of ma- machinery on wheels yep. and then level another one and connect it up and power it and all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah and in particular, once you've driven into a large mud hole uh, and you have to get the uh, the cat the caterpillar from the tractor from the uh, well site to come out and pull you out. Yeah, having to pull a trailer out with a satellite earth station on it was not a. So they got the big old thumbs down pretty quickly. Did, didn't want to didn't want to do that if we could do about it. So so we uh, we we, we a, 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 uh, and even if you could deal with the physical stuff, you now have to deal with the uh, potential contention of frequency. Sure, you got you yeah. got to do frequency coordination. So yep. in in general, you're go, you're going to be looking at at several days at best between. Uh, setting the earth station up at a well site and being able to actually transmit. Right. right. So that, again, that was that was kind of a non-starter. So we uh, we did a, about a year uh, study uh, mm-hmm. looking at, at various companies that built earth station equipment and the like, trying to figure out how to, to do something. And kind of at the last minute, a, uh, uh, 
through a, a couple of uh, uh, in, interesting personal connections mm-hmm. that we'll get to maybe some, maybe someday not, we'll some, get to someday those. we'll get to those. Yeah, uh, we ran across a a, a, a small company mm-hmm. uh, in uh, San Diego, California. Uh, they were a subsidiary of the of a much larger company called uh, MA dash com make and i always talk call that macom mm-hmm. stands for microwave associations uh, microwave associates communication okay macom there you go and there was a subsidiary corporation uh, company with it under that called linkabit mm-hmm. which dealt with uh uh equipment that mm-hmm. uh, did signal processing for microwave communication systems right? okay so uh, this company found out that uh, that uh, we were interested in this kind of system. You're in, you're in that space now. And we're in that space. and Well, we were in a space that they were interested in and we were interested in, and neither of us had any exp- had any Overlap existing, at that point. Well, and we had no existing equipment that that would fit into, ah, that, into okay. that realm, right? All right. So this was a this was an idea that fell in a to a very interesting business area for Slumbergy on the one hand as a consumer, for Linkabit on the other side. So they as didn't a have anything right off the shelf. They had ideas. They had ideas. They had ideas and experience adjacent to what you were trying to do. Exactly, and they yeah. had ex- they had expertise uh, in. Uh, uh, well, mostly they had expertise in uh, development systems uh, and develop the development process. So, so they. So describe they, that a little bit more. I mean, as far as well, just it, general it, engineering it, development. Yeah, it, yeah. general okay. and, and engineering development in in the, in the area of electronics to support communication systems. Okay. Okay. Kind of a specialized area. Sure. And uh, uh, if you had, if you have really, if you have some. A couple of real geniuses mm-hmm. from that are good at building bridges. They they probably could figure out how to, to build this kind of system. It'd take them a little bit longer. A little bit longer, but yeah. But if you have a if you have a company that's that's already good at this, right? You know, so so Linkabit was already good mm-hmm. at this. Uh, they were really late to the uh, late to the party, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, with respect to the Somerset effort. Mm-hmm. But they. They uh, they gave us a call, mm-hmm. uh, literally around Thanksgiving time of one one year. This would have been in uh, nineteen eighty. If, if I remember right, you guys were about to commit to one approach. It wasn't well to, be a, the, okay. to a different company. To a different company. Okay, okay same approach, but I mean, okay, in gotcha. general, very general, but but a different company, right? Okay, and and and, and they had a lot of equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, C band. Equipment. Okay. And they were they were really trying to sell us on that kind of a, a, a system, if a you C-band will, a C-band based approach. Uh, Linkabit came in at the last minute, as I say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the specific year. It was 81, 80, uh, 80 or eighty one, somewhere in there. Uh-huh. They came in though at a time frame like a little after Thanksgiving and said, "Hey, w- will you entertain a proposal from us?" Mm-hmm. And we were everybody was getting ready to leave from Christmas vacation. And so the, the response was, sure, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. Yeah, get, get a, send us a proposal in by the end of the year. Exactly. Something like that, and we'll, we'll look at it. Well, they, <clears throat> they did. Right. But, but their proposal was, hey, uh, we, we recognize that you can't, that, that existing equipment is, is it's going to be too big. It's going to require frequency coordination. 
it's just not going to be good. How about we undertake a development effort to build what you want to operate, not at C-band, but at what was called KU-band. Okay. Now, KU-band is essentially 12 gigahertz signals. And this was a signal, uh, this was a frequency range which was dedicated purely to satellite communication. Hmm. So there was no terrestrial communication in this frequency band at all. Uh, yeah. And the Likamik folks came back and said, we, we can develop an equipment set for you. Uh, you can't buy off-the-shelf electronics to operate at KU band frequencies, but we can develop it for you. We, so KU would have been used, like on Earth, at terrestrial, but in space from one satellite to the other satellite to or, help you or, get or, around the world. Well, or from the Earth to the satellite. Okay. Okay. Now, there, there was, at that time, in 1980, uh, there was an existing, ex, uh, not experimental, but a very new system uh, that had been put up by what was called, a company called Satellite Business Systems. Mm. Uh, in which the, the majority stakeholder was IBM. Right. And IBM wanted to use this form of satellite communication to establish very high-speed high links uh, uh, around the nation. And we're, we're talking about high-speed at this point as being uh, the, the, about the highest speed of a communication channel that you could get Terrestrial at that at that time was what was called a T1 signal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. T1 signal is a, a signal that operates uh, at a, I think it's like 1.5 uh, megahertz. Okay. Okay. So you, you in essence you could get a a one and a half megabit uh, million bits per second uh, communication channel uh, through 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 a T1 the phone, through the phone company. Okay. Right? Yep. So SBS wanted to provide uh, multi-megabit channels uh, uh, across the nation, and okay. they, they wanted they, they, they wanted to do this through satellites, mm -hmm. and so they had actually some KU band satellites in orbit, mm -hmm. and you could actually they had big Earth stations, big 30, 30 meter wow. or, or at least ten meter I should say ten meter okay. diameter Earth station. Oh. In most of the major cities, in Los Angeles, New York, uh, Houston, mm -hmm. wherever, and if you wanted to get a high-speed uh, channel between communication channel between Houston and California, uh, you could actually go through the SBS Earth stations, and you could you could establish a much higher speed channel. So these were KU Earth <clears throat> stations. They were very big, and very few of them at the time. Right. And but there were but there were KU band satellites right. in orbit, right? So so they were, they were there. So the ex, the really expensive problem solved. Right. There's satellites to talk to. Satellites to talk to, and these were these were satellites. Uh, a, uh, a satellite at those days, communication satellite, uh, functioned in multiples of transponders. A transponder mm -hmm. is. A specific receiver transmitter pair mm -hmm. uh, that that operates uh, uh, within this frequency, this band. KU band yeah. frequency, mm -hmm. and so if you mm -hmm. if you uh, if you had a have had a capacity if you had a large capacity demand, mm -hmm. then you could you could rent or lease a transponder on the satellite. Right, so you'd have a dedicated frequency to send and receive. Right. So. 
that being the case, mm-hmm. Linkabit came back to us and, and said, hey, we can develop this, we can develop the hardware mm-hmm. that will facilitate this kind of communication system. And it was it was a very good proposal. It was it was a case where uh, it, it, was a, it was a marketeer's dream mm-hmm. that it's never too late. Right. You know, if you can get your foot in the door, if you can get them to listen to you. Especially if it's as wow as yep. this was. Right. Compared to your other solution that was basically almost ready to come out of the oven, but it still had all that C-band stuff. Yep. Yep. So, so that, that, that captured that, your attention. It captured okay. the attention, and 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 uh, it had the uh, had the prospect of of solving a couple of really big problems for us. One, it it it, it had the. No one quite knew how yet, but there was the prospect that it was going to minimize the frequency coordination problem. Right. I don't think anybody, at that point, I don't think anybody really thought that we were going to get away from doing frequency coordination. But the fact that there was not a large body of KU-band terrestrial microwave in use said that the frequency coordination problem was going to be simpler. Yes. Okay. And, and so when you heard that, you were like, well, maybe it's just because we don't have as much KU on Earth yet. Well, that was exactly, yeah. that was exactly it. There was but not so it, much there. So It got so, even more appealing once you, the, the onions started getting peeled back. And Well, we started figuring out what we could do. And, yep. and, and, and from two standpoints, we, we, started, we, we started figuring out what could be done technically. But we had, in particular, one very, 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 very astute lady who was an attorney that uh, represented, we uh, hired to represent us before the Federal Communication Commission. Mm-hmm. That's where I was headed that with this. Knew how to, that knew how to play the legal game, right? Uh, yep. And, and, and I don't mean that as, as a game per se, but sure. she knew what the process was and and uh, she knew what, what arguments were going to carry weight, da-da-da-da-da. She was a, a legal engineer. Very much F- so. Found what was there, what could be used. Right. Protect what was yep. needed what, to be what, protect, but how, also how do you how do you make an argument to the FCC, yep. uh, both the uh, the regulators and the the, the technical communica- uh, yep. community that that was there. So so mm-hmm. we thought well that that was going to solve it one way. The the other other particular point was that that uh, as it turns out at that at that time and probably still the case that the lower in frequency that you went. Uh, in the in mm-hmm. in, a, in, the, in the, the frequency band that you operated on, in general, the the, the the larger the equipment was, right. The higher frequency, the higher you went in frequency, potentially, uh, you had the opportunity of making smaller equipment, particularly if you were starting out from scratch, because you had the opportunity now to build integrated circuit, integrated circuitry that could operate uh function at much higher data rates and at much higher frequencies right so and this is basically the the fundamentals of a sine wave in electromagnetism is high frequency short wavelength so the shorter the wavelength the smaller the dish you need because you're not having to catch or send these larger wavelengths which traverse larger amounts of space pretty much it pretty much it yeah 
So, so potentially, this the approach that was uh, was put forward was would, would address these two major issues. Mm-hmm. Now, it was it was just a proposal to to, to do the development. Right. That's, so that, that was your New Year's gift that, that year. That was the was... New Year's gift that if if we were really willing to take a risk. Mm-hmm. So this this was this is research. This is not your development effort. Let's see what we can do. That's exactly it, and 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 so it's a it's a much higher risk. On mm-hmm. the other hand, the reward was much greater. Yeah. So you you get into when you're in business, you look at risk reward trade offs. Uh, that was uh, high risk, high reward, uh, uh, worthy of of yep. uh, giving it some thought. So. We we, 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 we we basically accepted the proposal and we started out the started the uh, development effort for that mm-hmm. and the the uh, so so as as the customer for this and the customer that was paying for, for the, the, the development right uh, we got to, to establish some characteristics uh, for the system that we were going to be looking towards the right. equipment we're going to look towards. And we established uh, oh, uh, several very interesting and very challenging characteristics. So these uh, are like your key requirements. Key requirements. So yep. the normal requirement was we had to have a uh, 500 kilobit per second uh, communication channel. So we wanted to we wanted to, to, to transmit data away from a well site. At a half a megabit, basically half a T1. Half a T1, well, a third of a T1. Turns okay. basically a third of a T1. Mm-hmm. So uh, that meant we, you know, we wanted to, to plop down at a, at a at a well site anywhere in the continental United States mm-hmm. and transmit a, a, a signal a data stream away from there uh, at at a, a half a megabit uh, per second. Uh, secondly. The equipment that was going to go to the well site, the earth station, if you will, mm-hmm. had to fit in an existing truck. Okay, so you so guys came up with a cubic space requirement no, on them or just we, in we general? Came, we came up with a truck. Came up with a truck. <laughs> it, it's, it's got to fit somewhere on this truck. Okay. Okay. So well, there's already so, other stuff on the truck. Oh, but. there's, well, <laughs> and, and, I mean, there, 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 there was, there, there was, there, even there was a dark room on the truck. Yeah, right? that, that, that's what I was fit. saying. I mean, you got a truck, but you really don't have a truck. You, 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 you well, got to fit it in yeah, what you, leftover space there is. Exactly. Here. You know, well, you're going to put it behind the seat of the driver, or which right. was, was was you know, it was considered it's right. Possible. It's possible. But you don't want to be sitting in the cab, do you? Yeah. Uh, well, mm-hmm. well, you got to you got to get it in and out, right? Yeah. So, so. <laughs> So, but but the, so the, that that yeah. was the, the the characteristic was that it, it had to fit on a truck, right? Right. And the the third interesting characteristic was that that from the time once the truck rolled onto a well site and had been positioned, so there's a stopwatch that fires it, it, off at that point. Yeah, once it, there's a the stopwatch that fired off, and it said that five minutes later we needed to be transmitting data. Okay, yep. so. So the truck is positioned. So those guys in San Diego are like, yeah, we knew this was going to be tough, uh, but yeah. well, it, it, it was, we, <laughs> we knew it was going to be it was going to be tough. Uh, I, I guess maybe I could lapse into a, a story uh, that that uh, that uh, was was very a very early story in this development. Uh, as uh, uh, we had a had a couple of field engineers that were involved in, in this mm-hmm. process. I, I was a 
I was a, a computer nerd, right? I, sure. I, I, I didn't know for nothing about uh, uh, what it was like at the well site other than You're what basically I, what in I Austin learned. at this time, project yeah. managing this with the... No, I was, I was actually not managing it. I was, oh, okay. I was, I was, I was, I was the lead nerd, if you will, okay. uh, on it. Right? But uh, they had, had well, there's some, some really good people that were actually managing okay. this. Okay, uh, gotcha. And, and I, I'm... For, 40 years later, I'm willing to admit that, right? At, at, at the time, I might have uh, yeah. questioned that. But, uh, yeah, 40 years later, I, I realized, yeah, that, that was probably a good choice. Uh, but uh, so so we have a couple right. of field engineers, uh, uh, field engineers at, at that time and probably still today. They, the, from their perspective, the, the, they were they were operating, when they went to a well site, they were operating on the surface of the moon, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was rugged. It was tough. And, and indeed, they put in long hours. It, it would it was not unusual for a truck to be on site for. 40. They were captains of their ship in a way. Well, they they were absolutely captains yeah. of their mm-hmm. ship. Uh, yeah. That, you know, it, the, the the company at that time was essentially a collection of cottage industries. Yeah. Uh, you 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 qualify a field engineer. You you give the the, the field engineer uh, a truck and mm-hmm. a couple of operators to help. Right. And you send them out to run their business. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the world was tough out there. The, you know, the, it, it was muddy, it was rainy, it was mm-hmm. icy, it was freezing. It was the, the, you just you just couldn't overstate how rugged the environment was. And so this was the message that we gave to the Lincoln Bit folks as right. early on the de- the development of of this equipment and that it was going to be operating in a in a horrendous environment. Right? Flash forward, you can't pull a Steve Jobs and say you're holding it wrong. Yeah. No, it's no. gotta it's, it's gotta work. Gotta work, and and it but but moreover, it's it's horrendous environment. It's mm-hmm. it's it's just you know it's just gotta. It's it's got a it's you are you are on the surface of the moon. It's got a function. Uh, you can't fix it. You can't repair it. You know unless you can weld it together right. or something. It, it's going to operate. Okay, so this was the in- yep. background environment. So, so you had some field engineers that were keenly involved in all of this. Right, setting out the requirements. So one of the very early stages that uh, we we had uh, in the development of this was. I wonder if we go out to an arbitrary well site, for example, if we would go to an offshore platform, mm-hmm. a drilling platform, I wonder how hard it is to find a satellite in geosynchronous orbit. Right. It's it's up there. It's up there. I can, kind but... of, I can point, point it in general, except that if it's a really dark and stormy night, I don't know which way is south. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, uh, the, the hopefully the the the, the, uh, the the rig operator. Hopefully the platform it, knows. But yeah, but, but they can yeah, tell it's us. Still a guess. We think south is that way. Yeah, kind of over over right. there, right? So so uh, it was it was it was not clear. You got your exactly. five minute requirement too. Yeah, so, and, yeah. And so how fast were we going to be able to, to acquire signal and acquire signal? Yeah. Right. So we we had we had built this up that that this was a horrendous environment mm-hmm. and. The development folks, the development company, thought, hmm, we better figure out if we can actually do this, right? Right. So they, they, uh, we decided to, to experiment uh, with a geosynchronous satellite uh, at C-band mm-hmm. uh, just to see if we could receive a satellite signal, mm-hmm. right? If we, if we could find it, there was, a, there was always a, a timing control channel mm-hmm. off of a geosynchronous satellite. And so at C-band, 
if you could find the if you could find the satellite mm-hmm. uh, and you had a receiver, a dish that sure. could receive, you could probably isolate the control channel mm-hmm. and just see if it was there. You right. look, at, you spectrum, yeah. look at the spectrum analyzer, and if you get a signal at this right, right, right. You, you found it. So the, uh, the, the Lincoln folks assigned a, a couple of engineers uh, to, uh, to to just run the test. Mm-hmm. And uh, our operations folks uh, arranged with a uh, an offshore platform to uh, allow us to come out. And okay. we, we were going to be unobtrusive. We weren't going we to bother anything. Uh, come out and set up a, a, an earth station, a, a, a 10-foot dish. Um, uh, actually, I think it was about a, about maybe five foot dish. It was okay. a, a small C band dish. Uh, we'd need to set it up on the on the deck of the uh, the drilling platform and mm-hmm. see if we could find a satellite. And and uh, so the the equipment set was a a dish and uh, a spectrum analyzer, a, a bit more mm-hmm. signal processing electronics, right? That you could you could lash together. And uh, and so uh, the uh, the operations people arranged uh, uh, with a driller to, to allow us to come out and do this. They get on a boat, like a crew boat, and go well, out there it was, with it. it was going to be it was going to be a uh, uh, on a platform in the Santa Barbara Channel, okay. off of uh, off of Oxnard, California. Okay. Uh, out in the out in the the, 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 the Santa Barbara Channel, uh, north of the uh, the Channel Islands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were going to allow us to, to do this, mm-hmm. and 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 you know we kept telling them, well, okay, this is this is going to be tough environment. It'll it'll be, we 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 we, we may have to, to work. You know, if the seas are heavy, it's pretty tough getting the equipment off of of, uh, of a crew boat. Mm-hmm. But indeed, the way that you got to this was to hop on a crew boat. The mm-hmm. crew boat would go out to service the uh, the uh, uh, platform, platform. Yeah, uh, haul equipment out, haul supplies out, bring it back. Yep. Uh, so when you went out uh, in a crew boat, you, uh, you you pulled up. You didn't dock at a, at a platform because mm-hmm. the seas were lifting you up and down. Up. Yeah. And so you would uh, you would uh, they would pull up beside a large swinging rope, <laughs> and to get off of the crew boat uh, onto the platform in rough seas. You actually had to reach up and grab a rope and do a Tarzan <laughs> to swing over onto the platform. Well, I, I wasn't really enthusiastic about this, but, you know, that's, yep, that's what that's, you got to do. That's what you got to do, right? <laughs> so, uh, and furthermore, crew boats operate at, at the whim of the, the sure. uh, operations, uh, the, the drilling yep. platform. And so you could be doing this in the middle of the night. Could be doing it in the middle of the night. Yes, whenever the crew boat needed to go, mm-hmm. you would go right. So this was going. This was going to be tough. This was. This was a hard environment, right? So yeah. we all showed up at at Oxnard. Uh, there's a there's a uh, uh, a, a marina mm-hmm. uh, on right on the coast, right? So we we got rooms at the the yacht club. Of the uh, of the Oxnard Marina, and uh, we had got in early enough that we had a very nice seafood dinner at the uh, the yacht club uh, restaurant. Yeah, this is a study in contrast. Well, right? so this is part of the story. This is the <laughs> yes. story, right? Yes. Okay. So we showed showed up early. We we had had dinner and decided that we would all go wait in our rooms for the call that was going to be coming probably at two a.m. 
to get yeah. the crew boat, right? You're on so, standby. Yep. So we, 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 we all went back to our rooms. We settled in. Uh, in my case, uh, uh, settled in and had my alarms. You know, wasn't going to go off, obviously, but uh, I, I would set a backup alarm for 6 a.m., right? Mm-hmm. Well, lo and behold, 6 a.m. came and my alarm went off, and I okay. hadn't received a phone call. And uh, so about 6.30, something like that, got a call saying, okay, the crew boat's going to be ready to leave at 8 o'clock. All right. Okay, 8 a.m. That seemed very civilized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so had bre- had a nice breakfast. We uh, wandered over to the dock. Uh, the the uh, the Lincoln engineers had a uh, couple of engineers had the, the equipment with them mm-hmm. ready to go. And so the uh, the we, we found the dock that had the crew boat. We went and ambled onto the crew boat. Right. And 8 o'clock, it cast off and headed out. The sea was like glass. Okay. I mean, seven, eight <laughs> miles out into the Santa Barbara Channel, the sea, the the, the, the making they're, they're, the best speed they've had in a while. At a while, yeah. absolutely glass for mm-hmm. uh, for the surface of uh, of it. We so we pulled up, uh, made a made a extra fast trip out, mm-hmm. pulled up to the rig. Lashed up to the dock. <laughs> so the rope's hanging straight down. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah and, and, and it was over there. We, we they, they said, oh, well. Oh, we'll just know, use the dock this We'll just time. use the dock, if yeah. you will, yeah. So they lashed up. You know, we, we walked onto the, walked onto the, uh, onto the. Base the of the platform, platform. yeah. yeah. Cl- climbed the stairs. The, uh, the Lincoln engineers carried their equipment up to the surface. They found a. Found a, a socket that they could plug the power into. Cool. Uh, uh, and, and so they plugged in. They uh, uh, set up the dish. Uh, one of them said, "I think south is that way." Stuck his finger. And up the area. the uh, they they knew the uh, azimuth and, mm-hmm. and uh, elevation of the satellite. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Oh, okay. It looks like it's about there and about there, right?" Sure. And they clicked everything on and hooked up the, uh, the spectrum analyzer and immediately Perfect you see wave. this signal popping oh, up at right. exactly the right frequency. Oh, okay, there it is. We've, <laughs> we've found the satellite. We've, 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 we've isolated the signal. This, this was like eight minutes after. Yeah, after like, we were at, so anything else you want to see? They made a few measurements <laughs> uh, uh, and... Uh, uh, did it actually did it a couple of times? Sure, just to down, make sure. Make sure that we could do yeah. it. Yeah, this wasn't every, a recording. This every was... <laughs> time it, it popped up. Well, so by this time we'd, we'd managed to to kill oh, a couple of hours, maybe three yeah. hours. We we gotten there probably nine thirty or so. But the crew boat's not ready to go back quite well, yet. Well, but the, the, you know the the, the expe- expectation was when we, when the crew boat took us out. Yeah. You know, there was no telling when the crew boat was right. coming back. So. You might be on the platform for 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 36, 72 hours uh, yeah, before yeah. it went back, right? right. So, by we, we we left at the dock at eight. By say eleven, we were pretty well finished. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the, uh, the 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 tool pusher, who was the pretty much the head honcho on the on the rig, mm-hmm. came down and said, "You guys, you guys want some lunch?" Uh, well, okay. He said, "Where where the the cook is cooking steak." Uh, okay. They eat well on all fours. Yeah. So, sure. so we we wandered into the cafeteria, right? Had this rather incredible steak dinner, mm-hmm. steak, mashed potatoes, <laughs> the whole smear. And as we were finishing up, a uh, tool pusher came in and said, "Okay, the the crew boat's going to be leaving at two. 
So, okay, we we hauled the stuff back down, 2 o'clock, headed back out. The seas were still glass. Uh, by 3 o'clock, we were, we were, we were back. In our, you have in our blown rooms. all of your good well that, that, so that so they they, they, they they as we were as we were getting off the uh, the uh, platform the the, the, the link bit engineers observed they said yeah we we understand what a critical crucial duff environment you guys live in out there. <laughs> that, that was their comment when they that got back to Oxnard. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this is this is we were this is really tough right? yeah so, yeah so <laughs> it, it was it was a, a, an interesting illustration tell that, us another uh, story tell us another story yeah yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> well cool now I, I will i will also then add on to that 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 uh uh a couple of years later we were we were still we were looking to expand the system, and mm-hmm. we, were, we were wondering whether or not we could actually make use of the system in the North Sea. Okay. Okay, and so. Which is not uh, California. Not California, and in particular, one of the same engineers uh, mm. from Lincolnbit. Okay. Was charged with going out and evaluating the the, the uh, drilling platform in the North Sea. Okay. It turns out that. Number one, he had to go through a one-week course in safety procedures for an mm-hmm. offshore platform in the North Sea before they would allow him to set foot on the platform. Right. Furthermore, uh, when, the, when he finally went out to the platform, they took him out in a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And according to his story, uh, the, the helicopter landing was really Abrupt. exciting. Yeah. It was very much so. So he he that one particular engineer bracketed the space pretty well from really benign to God. I don't want to do that again. So just and like they, here, he back to his colleagues. He goes, "Well, I got two stories to tell you." <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Yep. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So it well, was cool. uh, it was an interesting. Uh, it was an interesting thing. So so we brought them into the story. We've got our first acquisition of Signal, and. We can go from there to see how it ends up back on the truck. We'll do that. So we'll do that next time, I guess. Sounds good. All right. Uh, it's been it's been fun. Yeah. And uh, I'll look forward to uh, to our next session. Very good. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. Bye. 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 And that's a wrap on episode twenty one of the Mike Newman Show, where once again we had an episode of Breakfast with Doctor Tim, where we went into a little bit more of Tim's uh, career early on in, well, actually his second project in, in Schlumberger back in the late 70s, early 80s. And um, we were talking to space today. So it was kind of cool. So um, we'll pick up on that um, in an episode in the future and see where things go from there. But uh, once again, always good just to sit down, hang out with Tim and, and talk about some of the things, um, get him down on, on the digital um, just conversations we've had in the past and maybe of interest to folks that are just interested in that, that part of, part of time. So, um, thanks again for Tim, um, sharing that with us. And, uh, this episode, um, like every other episode of the Mike Newman show is a value for value, um, project, which basically means, um, I do a little bit of work to create this recording, produce it, publish it, et cetera, et cetera. And, if you find something interesting in it, uh, receive some value of that, uh, feel free to give it back to us, even as simple as just an email to uh, some feedback, some comments, your observations on what we may have spoken of, 
uh, just drop us a note at uh, to me at the show. That's Mike at MikeNewman.show. Pretty straightforward. And that is spelled M-I-K-E-N-E-U-M-A-N-N.show. Uh, you can also go to that website, MikeNewman.show, which is uh, the page that has a page for each episode. Uh, the full um, The full podcast is available there as well. You can go to one page where every episode is listed using a, a plug-in, actually. It's not really a plug-in, but basically... Uh, a uh, piece of code, uh, HTML, that will take you, uh, that, that embeds the Podverse uh, new podcast app into the web page, so you can listen directly from the web. No need to download a, an app or anything like that. Just click on the show and go to the, uh, the podcast page within the, the podcast website, and you'll see all the episodes there. And for individual episodes, you'll see a link in there as well that to be able to play the um, play the show uh, directly from the website. So um, Podverse is an example of a new podcast app, and you can go check those out at newpodcastapps.com, which is a product of Podcasting 2.0. And that's another podcast. If you're interested in the future of podcasting, uh, go check out uh, Adam and Dave's uh, weekly podcast on all the new cool things that are going on in the world of podcasting to preserve, protect, and extend uh, podcasting for us uh, today and into the future. So, um, again, thanks for uh, listening, and thanks for spending your time with us today. Until uh, next time, John 317.